that would like our help. I'm volunteering you, Brother Glenn. If you like our help, uh, feel free to contact one or any of us, all of us, and uh, we'll see if we can work out something to help you out in your church, wherever it is, and all that. We we don't work for churches, we just work for Jesus. Isn't that right, Brother Glenn? I want to ask you how many of you like to go back to your childhood home where mom and dad raised you, maybe where you was born at. I was born at home. There's not many people that say that anymore. But we didn't run to the hospital. Uh, Mama had a baby and got up and fixed supper. <laughs> and that's the way things went back in then. Donna might remember stuff like that. I don't know, but uh, that's the way old country people did. Who who likes to go back and visit your old childhood home besides me? Every once in a while you do? Yeah. You know, that's the way people are. Brother Daniel, if you want your church to grow, you got to have kids born here. I'm going to tell you something. A lot of, uh, a lot of church folks think, well, if we'll have a, a fall festival, we'll do all this and that and other. We do all kinds of worldly things trying to get people to attend church and to come to church. The main thing that will cause somebody to return to your church, Brother Daniel, as if they're born to get on that altar. They have a tendency to want to stick to that. It's a special place and time for them. Remember that, brother, when you begin to get souls genuinely saved on this altar, they stick with you. <clears throat> when we... uh look at things from different places, we see things differently. You and I, Brother Daniel and I spoke on the phone this morning, and uh, I guess, Brother Daniel, I haven't heard as many comments about the sermons that's already been preached uh, as I have this time. I mean, people commenting, people calling, and... Uh, I know it's given you a lot of things to think about and uh, and to muddle over in your heart. But we all, and Brother Daniel told me, there's people here from all different denominations may be here tonight. I see Brother Red. Brother Red is from two or three different denominations. <laughs> and just... just just one. <laughs> and uh, so that's the way things go. We had a lot of people here. And I'm glad we did. We had some that promised to come back, which I don't see tonight. But if we're gathered here together, every one of us is going to see something a little bit different about what's said and what's done 
how things are conducted. It's just the nature of man. And uh, I would tell you about a fellow that was on a, a camping trip. I love to travel trailer around this country. He was out somewhere in Washington State, and he was looking off the side of a mountain, a little brook down there, a good-sized brook, what we would call it in Kentucky. Brother Glenn, he saw a big, burly, is that if I say fat man, uh, down there in that creek, and the salmon run was on. They was coming in from the ocean, and that man was catching them salmon with his bare hands. And he got all excited. He said, I'm going to go down there and see how in the world is he doing that. But a salmon would jump, and he'd scoop him up. So the man went down there like I have a tendency to do to walk around and go down the aisle. He got a little closer and he squinted his eyes and he, boy, that fellow sure could use a shave. And he got a little closer and, and he said, that's a grizzly bear. <coughs> Sometimes we see things differently. Anybody, any you ladies got a diamond, a big diamond? Huh? Not yours, Connie. That might be, uh, that's probably glue. <laughs> Anybody got a big diamond ring? Can I borrow that? Just for a minute. Let me clean it up. Oh, good Lord. I didn't mean to swallow it. <laughs> Did you ever look at a diamond? Oh, that was... Look at that. Can you see it? See what it's doing? Look at that. You see anything? See it doing anything? Looks a lot different from the bottom, doesn't it? It's not what you'd call real pretty. Those are nice. Thank you for the loan. I didn't really swallow it. And I, I didn't sneak around and change it either. Even a sparkling diamond looks different from one side. Tonight I want you to turn your Bibles, if you have them, to the first book of Samuel, chapter 15. Let's sing that little chorus that we call in our theme song. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, 
keeps me singing as I go. Soon he's coming back to welcome me. Far beyond the starry sky, I shall wing my way to worlds unknown. I shall reign with Him on high. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Before we get into the Scripture, would you bow your head with me? Heavenly Father, I want to ask you tonight, Lord, to help me to bring this message to folks that, Lord, we all might understand better our God and our Father. We ask it humbly. In the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. There's many church leaders in our day that are trying to make their church more appealing to people. And they're turning their churches, services, and things over to children, kids. But the Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go when he's old and not depart from it. Well, that's the way I was trained up, Brother Glenn. That's the reason I'm having such a hard time changing my ways. And uh, we long for the days of home. We long for the days uh, we want to go back to the places and see where we were raised as kids. And my heart aches for us to get back to the old days of the church instead of substituting our ways. We need to get back to God's ways. Of all that's been preached during this revival, one thing stands out if you've caught it. It is get back to the Word of God and go and live by the Word of God. People seem to think we're living in a new day. They seem to think that it's a new God we're serving. They say we're living in the New Testament times. And God treats us different. I want you to keep your mind on what God's Word says about that. Not me, but what God's Word says about that. In... uh, Hebrews, the New Testament, chapter 13 and verse 8, the Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. The last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, I believe it says something like this. Verse, or chapter 3 and verse 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. The God that I was raised with is the only true and living God today. You may think He's changed. I sure get the idea that a lot of modern people in modern churches get the sight of God that He's some grand old Santa Claus just can't wait to give you gifts and see what you do with it. That's one side of God. You may not have looked at the bottom of the diamond. But tonight, we're going to look. And we're going to find out that the only thing that has changed from the Old Testament are the names. In the Old Testament, God's people were called Israelites. In the New Testament, we were grafted in and we were called Christians. Just the name changed. Still God's people. And here we're going to read, and I warn you, how long can I preach on one verse of Scripture? Uh, uh, well, we're going through 35 tonight. I will try to go through them faster than I usually do, but this is the longest text that the Lord has ever given me to preach from. But we're going to look at it, and we're going to look at a very powerful, wanted priest of God named Samuel. And then we're going to look at the most powerful world at the time, chosen by God Himself, and be the most powerful man on earth. And this is not a political sermon. You can forget that right now. But as we start out to read there in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 1, and I hope this don't scare anybody. And Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over this people Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I have noted what Amalek did to Israel in opposing them on the way when they came up out of Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and devote to destruction all they, all that they have. Do not spare them. Now this is hard to think of God as saying something like this. But kill both man and woman, child 
an infant. Hmm, that's getting rough. Ox and sheep, camel and donkey. What are you saying? Look at it again. He tells Samuel, the man of God, the prophet, tells this man Saul, the king that God has chosen, go out there and kill man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Does that sound like the God we serve today? But it is. Same Lord. Now, here's what Saul did in verse 4. So, Saul summoned the people and numbered them and tell them, 200,000 men on foot and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, his first mistake. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, go down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. You keep in mind, we're serving a God that does not change. The same God that we're reading about here is the same God in the New Testament. He's the same God we worship here in this church. And here, God didn't tell him to let the Kenites go. But evidently, God just said, well, that's a mistake. Because he writes nothing else about it anywhere in the Scriptures. In verse 7, And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. Now, Saul begins to do what he thinks is right in the next verses. Listen to me. Saul's going to do in the next verses what he thinks is right, but God already said in another place, my ways are not your ways. Your ways are not my ways, for my ways are higher than yours. We don't know what all God was doing here, but we do know this, that our God commanded this man to go out and utterly destroy these nations. And yet we today, as Christians and in churches, are afraid to say that God may destroy somebody. 
He may destroy an entire group of people. And He may use a person to do that. He did here as we read on. And He took Agag, the king of the Amalites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. Second mistake. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and of the fatted calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless, they devoted to destruction. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. Uh-oh. I've had people, I had a woman one time, she went out and she said, I don't think I'll ever come back and hear you anymore because uh, somebody's been talking to you about me and told you what had happened to me. And I said, I'm sorry, ma'am, but nobody told me anything to say except what God And if it got on your toes, then the thing for you to do is get your toes to the altar and get afraid through. And I've had that to happen other ways also. So God is going to talk to Samuel about what he had given orders to be done through the prophet to the king. Verse 11, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. This is God talking to Samuel now. And Samuel was angry. Oh, preacher, if you get angry, you ain't sanctified. <laughs> Baloney. Samuel was angry, and he cried to the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning. And it was told Samuel, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and passed on and went down to Gilgal, has no relationship to me at all. I live on Gilville, but not Gilgal. Verse 13, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be you to the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Third mistake, he lied. Fourteenth verse, And Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? If you've done what the Lord said, why am I hearing the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of these oxen? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people 
Next mistake, he begins to blame somebody else. The people spared the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Not Saul's God anymore. Your God. He didn't claim Him to be His God anymore. And the rest we have devoted to destruction. Again, Saul did what he thought was right in his own eyes, not what the Lord said to do. But the Bible says in Isaiah 55 and verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declared the Lord. Verse 16, Then Samuel said to Saul, Stop! I will tell you what the Lord said to me this night. And said to him, Saul said to him, Speak. Samuel said, Though you are little, though you... And here's a little mistake in this version of the Bible. Though you were little in your own eyes. In other words, he had a little self-esteem problem. He didn't think himself any better than anybody else. This was before God told Samuel to anoint him king over Israel. And he said... Though you were little in your own eyes, are you not the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go, devote to destruction the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of of the Lord. Why did you pounce on the spoil and do what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Can you imagine a preacher talking to the president that way? What would happen if somebody spoke to the king of England that way? Huh? I tell you what, I bet that made old Saul mad. You ever make anybody mad, Glenn? Get in the pulpit. You make them mad. You, you tell them, you can't go around sinning like that. And they, they'll get mad at you in a heartbeat. Unless they're really sanctified, really filled with the Spirit, and want to please and live for the Lord. So I bet Saul was really mad. Now he's going to lie again. And Saul said to Samuel, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I have done, gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me. I brought you Agag, the king of Amalek, and I have devoted the Amalekites to destruction. Oh, yeah? Hmm. But the people 
took of the spoils of the people. There he goes, blaming somebody else again. Wasn't me, it was them people. Them people, you know, out there, they're the ones that done it. They're the ones that captured Agag. They're the ones that took the sheep and the oxen. It wasn't me. I've, he said, I brought you Agag, the king of the Amalek, Am, king of Amalek, and have devoted the Amaleks to destruction. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the best of the things devoted destruction to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Again, doesn't call him his God, the Lord your God. Boy, he's really, he's really going down the mud bank, ain't he? We call that backsliding. Really went down the mud bank. But, Samuel begins to tell him, and Samuel said, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. If you get anything out of this message tonight, get that. I'm serious. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. What's he saying there? Now, I could preach to you out of the New Testament and say faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and the reason you ain't got no faith because you never go on, go to church and listen to the Word of God. I, I could do things like that and maybe might stir up something. I don't know. For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, I hope we don't do that nowadays. I hope we don't look at the Scriptures and read the Word of God and say, well, that's, that's really not what it means. That, that's not what the Scripture's all about, uh, Brother Ray. Uh, God didn't really mean for Him to kill them infants like that. Maybe some of them old men. But not the, the women and the kids. You're wrong. The Bible's clear. It's plain. He told him, go out there. I want that whole country destroyed. He didn't even say, let the Kenites go. He said, I want it all destroyed. This is not a pretty picture of the God that you and I serve. And He is the same God. It's not a different God I'm reading to you about here in the Bible. But Saul confesses. What did he confess? He confessed that he followed the crowd. A big crowd has always got to be right. You know all them people wouldn't be wrong. But that's what he was going to do here. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord 
and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go away, Saul seized him by the skirt of his robe. He grabbed him, hey, don't run off, preacher, preacher, please don't leave me. And his garment was torn. And then we get on down. And Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. Boy, I bet Saul was smoking hot. I bet his steam were coming out from under his collar. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret for he is not a man that he should have regret. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel. Make me look good before the elders, deacons, and the, uh, you know, all them people. Make, make me look good before them. And return with me that I may bow before the Lord your God. Notice in this previous that Saul begs for mercy, but does not acknowledge God as his God, but says, your God. As a lot of people come to church now to worship your God. A lot of them do that. Well, is this too rough for y'all? I ain't heard an amen yet. Maybe I could get it. Somebody, somebody put Facebook on your phone and give me a like. Is <laughs> that what he's going to do? He put, me, he put me a like up there. Verse 31, so Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul bowed before the Lord. Then Samuel said, bring here to me Agag the king. This is Samuel, a priest, the prophet of God, the man that God chose, the man that God anointed to bear his word. And I want you to listen to what he's done. You think you serve some small, tiny God that's uh, like some doddering old man that never does anything. I hope he don't take you on like this. But And I wouldn't do this. He said, bring here to me Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came to him carefully. Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, as your sword hath made women childless, 
so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel, the preacher, hacked Agag to pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death. But Samuel grieved over Saul, the preacher grieved over him, prayed for Saul. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Folks, this is a classic story of how a Christian man of God backslid a chosen man of God, I should say, not a Christian. It wasn't called Christian back then. It was called Israelites. Saul was the head of the Israelites, not because he was head and shoulders above everybody else, which he was, not because he was a fire-complected, good-looking man to look at, which he was. The Bible bears all that out. Not because he had a bigger army than anybody else, but he was king over the Israelites' top dog because God Almighty had told Samuel, take this oil, go down there and pour it on Saul, and he will be my king of Israel. Chosen by God. But he got heady and high-minded. He did listen to the words of God. When he went down to fight that battle, he said, look at these sheep. And he goes, there's nothing wrong with them. I, I think God would appreciate them. I wonder if there was any little person sitting in a pew somewhere that said, Saul, God told you to kill them. God gave you a commandment about them good-looking oxen sheep. And that old king, what are you bringing him up there? Don't you know that's going to make Samuel the preacher mad? Don't you understand? God said for you to kill him, to wipe him out. Now, folks, what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is that it's better what the Lord commands us to do to follow the commandments and the precepts in this book because we're serving a God that don't change, though you won't hear very many people preach like this. It's a little too rough. But I'm telling you that the Israelites in the Old Testament, the God that was the God of them back there, is the same God back here. The God that said in the beginning is the same God that said 
Even so, Lord, come quickly. In the book of Revelation. Now I know in our day and time we try to wipe out all fear. And the Bible does say perfect love casteth out fear. But the same Bible that says that also said the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. I had a dear friend, and people have already heard this, that I worked with in the factory. As long as we had a day like we had today, Thelbert would run around joking, lying, uh, trying to beat money out of the Coke machines, the changers, for free, cursing every breath. Blankety-blank this and blankety-blank that. And I don't care what that blankety-blank said and all that kind of stuff. But he had the fear of the Lord. He was a terrible sinner as far as I could tell. But you let him hear a clap of thunder and you go around him and say, Well, George Washington that. I, in other words, little little curse words. Little words that may or may not be seen the way they're used. But you say that around Thelbert after in a thunderstorm or something like that, he'd get right in your back. You shut up, man. Don't you know God's going to strike you dead? God's going to strike you dead today. People don't believe that anymore. People don't believe the awesome power of God. And they can't understand how that God wants you and I to obey Him above everything else. If you've been trying to live off of a sacrifice of praise, be it known to you this night that God would rather you obey Him. But somehow, we've allowed so much of the world to creep in to our minds and make us think the certain little things that we do will make God happy. God tells us in this Word the things that He wants us to do and when we do as He says, it will make Him happy. You've had a lot to chew on. That's not what I had to preach. You want to hear the other sermon? The other sermon is about how to really become a Christian and know it. 
I worked on it since I was here in when January. And the other day, God just changed this up. And I said, Lord, I'd rather preach about the end time. I know how powerful, how strict. Our Heavenly Father is a good parent. He's strict. I go into churches, Brother Glenn, you have too, probably every one of us here, and I started to pull this on you tonight and say, God is good. And hear a whole bunch of people say, Oh yeah? Ask Agag and Amalekite. Ask them if God's good all the time. And see what answer you get then. Let's don't make God some Vision of some soft, fudgy, uh, uh, fuzzy God that just loves everybody no matter what they do, that just uh, lets you get by with everything. He won't. And this scripture is one of the roughest in the Bible about what God will do to those that won't come to church, they won't receive His Word. When you preach the Word to them, they won't believe it. They reject it. He said Saul wouldn't hear the Word of God. And when he did hear it, he would not obey the Word of God. He wouldn't do what God said. And what God are we serving in the Old Testament? And what God are we serving in the New Testament? Same God. Folks, God wouldn't have given me this message if it hadn't have been for some folks. That's the confidence I have in Him. And I got down to the end of it and praying this morning. I said, what do you want me to do, Lord? He said, send them home. I'll take care of the rest. So stand with me. Lord God, we've heard Your Word. Whether we want to believe or not, no matter how we look at it, whether it's a man with a skill to catch fish, or a grizzly bear, or if we look at you, Lord, and see a sparkling diamond, and never look at the bottom side. We know, Lord God, that You are a just God and a fair God. And this week, Lord, You've given all of us plenty to think about, to pray about, and cause us to seek Your face. Now, Lord, tonight I'm going to ask Your blessings upon these people. That You'd be with them as they travel. 
and on their way. But God, when they come down tonight to lay down their head on their pillow, I pray, Almighty God, that the things you stirred up in their heart tonight, they will take care of it in their prayer closet. Oh, God, we love you here tonight. We pray that you'll meet with us again, the services that are scheduled, and that, Lord, we'll be ready to give you all the praise and glory and testify to all the good things that you've done for us. Go with us, we ask. Anybody got...